Hey, y'all, this is Rob, back with the Rob Report, you know, and uh, thank you guys for your patience. I'd just like y'all to know that it's been a while we've been dealing with this coronavirus up here in the prison, so I apologize for the delay. You know, one thing I can say is uh, this time last year, I was fighting for my life with the coronavirus, so, you know, I'm just happy to be here. I value every day of my life, you know, I take nothing for granted anymore, you know, and, uh, you know, I just wanted to say uh Happy holidays to my family out there, you know, my family out in Detroit, you know, all my guys in Portland and Vancouver, Washington, all my block boys, I just want to say, you know, stay alive out there, you know, and on a serious note, you know, uh, this year, we lost a couple of people that uh, I really looked up to, you know, we lost uh, Minister K.C. Price, you know, somebody that I felt, you know, was really transforming my life, you know, and then recently we just lost Marcus Lamb, you know, and uh, my heart goes out to your families and, uh, also, I just uh, want the people out there to know that uh, I believe that we really need to pay attention to what's going on in this world because it feels like God is really unleashing his wrath with this coronavirus. And now we just had these tornadoes out here uh, that everything's just happening. I think we really need to listen to what God's trying to tell us. You know, so today, without further ado, I'm going to get on here with this interview. We're going to start this Rob Report off again. You know, and I got a special guest that I want to introduce you all today. An inmate at... Stafford Creek Correction Center. This call will be recorded and monitored. If you wish to block it, thank you. Hello. 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 Yeah, yeah. What up, man? What's listen, man. On? You just relax, man. Don't worry. Just relax, bro. Don't be. Listen. At the end of the day, man, just act like it's me and you talking, bro. Don't don't worry about what people hear, how you think they're gonna receive you. Just listen, bro. This is me and you talking. Just answer the questions, bro. Like, you know what I mean? Relax. Don't worry about don't worry about nothing. Okay. All right. When you gonna put us on, Jessica? You're good. Okay, yeah. So uh without further ado, I want you to uh, go ahead, bro. Just introduce yourself. Tell the people who you is. What's going on, y'all? My name's Sleep. Uh I'm hailing up out of that West Seattle, you know what I'm saying, out of King County. In Washington, and um, I'm here. All right, all right. You know, do you uh, do you care to uh, tell them what neighborhood you represent or anything like that? If you care to disclose that. Okay. Yeah. No problem. Yeah, I'm from West Side Hoover. You know, um, we all know the Orange and Blue team. Uh, their dominance of King County is, you know. Uh, Sort of like Los Angeles, that you know, we the biggest gang here in um, <laughs> <laughs> here in the all state. Right. You not, right. not to glorify right. it, but you know, yeah, yeah, you know. yeah. I hear you. I hear you. But check it out, though. On a real note, though, you know, uh, shout out to all the people out there in Australia. I know that there's this uh, lady out there named Cheryl Lee. And uh, a couple of her people, they be uh, listening to you, you know what I'm saying? And listening to the Filthy Rags Outreach thing, you know what I'm saying? So, like, they're going to be listening and trying to hear some stuff about Seattle. So, uh, kind of let the viewers know what Seattle looks like and, the, like, the makeup. Because, like, in different states, like, for example, Oregon is different. Like, uh, you know, we just have neighborhoods. Whereas you guys have different sections and different uh, people that hang out with different people, you feel me? So, I just kind of illustrate that to to the listeners a little bit. Okay, well, um, the dynamics of the Seattle street gangs um, held through, like, the Central District, which is uh, all gangster disciples. There's not one um, 
crip hood in, in, in that section of the city. Then you got the South End uh, or South Seattle. <clears throat> they have uh, Gangster Disciples, Bloods, and uh, Hoovers out there. Uh, Pacific Highway is uh, the Family Mafia Cribs, the, the Marvin Gangster Cribs, and the Hoovers are out there. In West Seattle, you have like the Street Mobs, the High Point, uh, High Point Projects, and you have the One Seven Hoovers out in that area. No, uh, North Seattle. Seattle, but it's not really as funky as the, you know, the body of the town, which I just named. I know that uh, last time I was on the phone, I was uh, talking to her. She was looking up some Seattle stuff, and she was saying that uh, you guys got a lot of homeless out there. Is there is there a lot of homeless out there, too? Um, right now, I'm going to have to say this is the worst I've seen in Seattle. Um, you know, you, you, I come from California, from Los Angeles. So, you know, that's like the Mecca of Skid Row, you know, one of the, one of the Meccas of Skid Row right now, you know, uh, because I'm, uh, not in the streets, you know, I'm like, I'm a parent and I'm, you know, doing what I have to do for my kids and stuff. Now I'm able to really take focus and uh, heave of, of what's going on out in the streets. And yes, it is a lot of kids that are homeless, a lot of uh, early, early adults that are homeless, a lot of, you know, uh, mid-age and elderly people that are homeless and these, it's, it's, it's not getting better. You know, this, 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 it's not getting better. But it, yes, to answer her question, there's a lot of homeless. Right. Well, because I'm locked up, so I really didn't know it was that serious. But I just had a conversation with her one day, and she was telling me. So I'm like, well, yo, I'm going to interview my guy. So I'm going to ask him on the air so we can kind of clear that up a little bit. Now, I, I do know that uh, currently, like, gang violence out there in Seattle is at an all-time high. Could you uh, speak to that for me for a second and just kind of let me know what the uh, what the flavor is out there? And then why do you think why do you think that it's at uh, an all time high like that? What do you think the problem is out there? Okay, um, the reason why gangs in Seattle are at an all time high right now with violence is because people my age didn't. Um, protect the next generation coming up just to to keep it all you know they didn't protect the youth um coming up there was lies deception you know it, it wasn't like like we had the 70 babies because i'm an I'm a early 80s baby so you know we had more structure with the 70 babies and when they got time for us to you know for us to be g's OGs and stuff. We're in jail. Uh, the the ones that was really, you know, the steppers. We're in jail. Or some of the homies didn't make it. They lost their lives. And so now you have this new breed coming up. And they don't have no respect. Like you know, and I get it. Like you know, when I was younger, they they say we didn't respect our OGs. But I wasn't raised like that. I was always raised in the pecking order of gang. Like you know, traditional. Right. You know. OG, YG, you know what I'm saying? BG, you know what I'm saying? I was raised li like that. So I always respect my elders, even though, even if I don't agree with what the big homies are saying, I always still respect what they said and can still voice my opinion because 
I was respected, but bro, right now out here, there is no respect. There's no respect. There's no respect for your elders. These cats don't care if you with your kids, with your mama, your baby's mama, nothing, bro. They will shoot up in that car with whoever you up in the car with. It's, I'm telling you that <clears throat> what we went through, uh, and I've been telling people this, is is easy compared to what these kids got going on now because, you know, I know you behind the wall. And I don't really know if people are telling you guys what's really going on out here, but bro, you figure in the eighties and the nineties, we was able to get like three eighties and deuce deuces and you know, tray eights and stuff, man, bro. These kids are walking around out here with AR 15s. They're out here walking around with glocks with 50 round drums on them, you know, 30 round right, clips on them. Right. And I mean, every kid that wants to have a pistol out here has a pistol. So if he got a pistol, he don't got to right. really respect you. He don't got to respect you. And, and, and these kids are being taught, bro, to, you're a minor. You're only going to get juvenile life. So you, you, you kill this person, you're 15, 14, depending on, you know, how the case go. You'll be out when you're 22, 21. So they don't care about nobody's life. Mm. They don't care. Wow, that's deep. That's deep, bro. That's deep. And I, I heard you say something, too, about us not, uh, you know, and I could take some credit for that with my age, too about not really giving it to him right. I always did the best I could, but also I know that I've been incarcerated going on 20 years too, and I think that that's a big part of it too is that a lot of us are incarcerated, right? And so we kind of left those streets, you know what I'm saying? And, uh, you know, just while we talking about incarceration, I know that you did some fed time. So kind of just moving a little bit forward, I wanted you to just kind of like paint a picture like, because I'm doing state time, but state and fed time is different. So if you could just talk about the fed time just for a little bit, and what the uh, what the actual unity looks like in like the feds? Okay, um, so you know when you first go, they got the little FDC like they got FDC tag out here on two hundred and Pacific Highway. Um, it's the federal holding uh, tank or whatever we call it, the federal county jail because that's where you you can do uh, zero to four years in that building if you got the right amount of time. So in there. I'm going to have to say it can get funky in there, but when you get sent out to the yard, it's way different. When you get there, they already know uh, you got three numbers on your on the last of your uh, ID card, right? So anybody coming from this area is 086. So when you hit, when you, like, because I didn't stay on the West Coast, so I'm going to just give you the West Coast dialogue. If you're on the West Coast and you hit a penitentiary, and, a, and when I say penitentiary, we mean like the highest level of the feds. They call it the pen, you know, the USP. That's the hardest yard that you're going to get up to in, in the feds. Uh, so when you get there, they see OA6, and they already tell your people that, hey, somebody from Seattle or Portland is coming, you know, get prepared because we, you know, they got all your, you know how it go, bro. They they do laundry. They they get your information. They know. So you get there, boom. They they, they know everything. They know if you told. They know if you done raped something. They they know. Right. So you thinking that you about to be slick and walk the yard, you are gonna lose your life if you go to a penitentiary. This is the 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 the, the deadly grounds of if you told, you will be stabbed. That is something that is guaranteed unless you're on one of them yards where everybody predominantly done something, done told. 
So um, it's called 5K1. They want your paperwork as soon as you hit the yard. You have two weeks to present all your paperwork. And when I say paperwork, I mean from your juvenile to your state and your federal uh, charges. If you do not present that paperwork within the 30 days, because what they're going to do is they're going to give you two weeks. You still playing around? They're going to walk you to the hole with a bone crusher, a knife longer than your arm. They will be walking you up to the hole, and they're going to tell the sergeant or the lieutenant that he wants to check in. You know, he wants to stay here. And they know that they got knives on you. And this was the the crazy part, though. The police know that you've been walked up to the doors with knives. If you don't get off the yard, they will stab you. They will stab you. Like I said, they're not. The the, the number one thing in there is telling because everybody done been told on. So besides that, then you get to the race, right? Uh, It's segregated. You go sit with your people, period. You go sit with your people. So you can either do this. There's no straddling the fence. You're either going to get on state time or you're going to get on gang time. When I got there, I chose to get on Hoover time because I was still bitter and I was still upset about being set up by the feds and my homeboys, people telling on me. So I didn't take the the uh, the high road. I was still, you know, like I said, I was still angry. I was still bitter, and I I just I, I wasn't ready. So I got in there. I got on Hoover time, and uh, the the West Coast. So it was like Washington, Oregon, California, Arizona, uh, Nevada, Utah, uh, Montana, and Colorado they base those states as the West Coast. So you can either be on West Coast time or your state time or your gang time, period. There's no shadowing. And you sit with your people. You don't cross. Ain't no black sitting at no white tables or nothing like that. That is not going on. This is the most respectfulest behind-the-bars place that you will be at. They are respectful. If you do not respect every man in that penitentiary, you will be stabbed. If you get bumped, if you bump somebody, your best bet is to say, bro, excuse me, my apologies. You know what I'm saying? Or you'll be stabbed. You'll be looking up. You'll be getting in the shower, and he'll be standing there with his knife. And he don't care about being released in a month or two because in the feds, it's all about respect. You have to have respect. In there, are you gonna lose your life? Yeah, good. I'm glad you was able to clear that up for us too. You know, because a lot of times state and fed time is totally different, right? So I'm glad if uh, the viewers are listening, they get a real good sense of what that fed time is like. Now I'm gonna ask you another question uh, briefly. Do you think, and I'm gonna come back to that, what something you said too? But do you think uh, that prison sets you up for success upon release? You said the prison set me up for success. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm gonna say that that uh, that God set me up for success because you know you in the belly of the beast when you behind them walls, and it's only a certain amount of people that are really pure about changing their lives. You know what I'm saying? And 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 right. and not living the way that got them there. So 
I'm gonna say uh I'm gonna say that um I had to dig deep and uh while I was in there, um this guy, this old man, he used to like pick at me because I I was in the uh the metal the metal yard where I was welding and stuff and he used to ask me questions and what I was gonna do when I got out and you know uh what well, how was I going to change my, my, the way how I move? And so what I did was, uh, I started going to the chapel with him. And what he did was he started putting on Farrakhan for me. And I, you know, I, I, I've always been born in the church, you know, church of God in Christ. So I never really, you know, messed with the Muslims like that. You know, I ain't got no problem with it or nothing, but you know, I just never flowed that way. But he had me watch Farrakhan. Now what Farrakhan instilled within me was strength. Like it's okay to be black. It's okay to to depend on your neighbor as a black man and not have hatred for him. And at the time, I didn't even understand that the man was restructuring him by by him taking me to listen to Farrakhan. He restructured my my thought process on black men. So what I started doing in the pen was I wouldn't walk past a black male without acknowledging him. And I mean, like, I don't care how, even if I did not say, utter a word, bro, I would look at every man in their face and nod my head because it gives you some, like, a, a sense of security, like, man, every time I walk by that brother, man, he smiles or he nods to me. And, you know, it's weird at first. It becomes weird to, to a person. And then when they're like, no, nah, that's a real dude right there, right? Like he, you know, he, he, he about his people. So I was able to, cause now I'm like, bro, I don't got no problem. I don't got no problem with that dude because he's from six. So I don't care about him right. being from six. So I care about if a white boy or a Mexican come with a knife and they're going to try to bring harm to him. Cause he's a black male. He's a black man. You know what I'm saying? And that's how I started looking at it. So I started changing my whole way, how I thought. And I started thinking with my heart. And and overthinking with my brain, and um, yeah, you know, it just it just bro, it, it unhardened my heart to where I was able to let that bitterness go, and so I gave it all to God. I gave it all to God before I was able to get released, and that's that that like I tell my son all the time, like when you when people go to prison. If they don't fight that 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 demon, the, the nightmare, they don't fight it in there. They don't win in 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 the belly of the beast. They gonna fail when they get out. Mm. I got out 2012, no. October 25th, October uh, 25th 2012, bro. I have not had no handcuffs put on me, not one time. Okay. I did my federal good, probation good. three years. With not even a warning, I didn't get a warning. Okay, good, good. You know? Yeah, yeah. I'm glad to hear that. I just, I just, for me, I know that it's hard for people to make that transition. Even while we up here on the phone and I'm doing this interview with you, I know you can hear a lot of noise back here because these cats are getting into it. You know what I'm saying? While we on the phone, they're not even respecting the fact that there's eight people on the phone. It's just going down, you know what I'm saying? Because that's just what what prison is, you know. And, uh, right. and that's unfortunate. And uh, so what you I wanted that, to do right? was I want. 
My bad. I, I hear you saying that, right? But that's, nah, the thing about, that's the thing about federal prison in the state. When y'all yeah. on the phone, nobody is over there by them, by them phones. Like, if I was getting right, loud, right. if you're on the phone and I'm getting loud over there by you, and I happen to glance over there and look at you, and you, you're looking at me from the phone, it's mandatory yeah. for me to come over there to you and say, hey, bro, I apologize for... I see that you're right, on the phone. Right. That's what has to happen there. It has right, to happen. Right, right, right. It's going to be trouble. Right. You know? Right. And I'm, I'm glad that you're bringing that up because that distinguishes the difference between the two. But listen, you know, because I'm doing the call from prison. So what I'm going to do is I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to load you up with a question that I want you to answer for the people while I call back in. And so what I wanted to do is I'm going to throw you for a little bit of a loop here. So before you answer it, I want you to think about it. Because, you know, like, and you you alluded to it earlier, how, like, you got to have your paperwork and stuff like that. But my thing is this, right? So, like, and, and don't get me wrong, you got to be accountable for the time. Let's just say you rape somebody. When you come to prison, people get raped in prison all the time. And, and let's say you're a gang member. So when you come to prison, you're around more gang members and gang activity, right? But people on the outside think when you get sentenced that you come into prison to be rehabilitated. But you're actually coming to some place that's much worse, you know what I'm saying? And it's up to you to make that change, you know what I'm saying? Because you're coming to a place where there is everything is all bad, you know what I'm saying? So I want... Okay, um, to elaborate on on what he's... I, I, I think what he was trying to get to is, um, man, how can I answer this? Uh, prison is not a rehabilitation place. Let's just get that out the way right now. People don't go to prison to get rehabilitated. People go to prison to serve their time. So let's not even say it like that. Because there's cats that get in there with with the same bitterness uh, that they came there with and that they're leaving with. Some cats don't learn their lesson. Some cats uh, got it in their head that the next time, they when they get out, that they're not getting caught. So no, it's not a rehabilitation place. It's a place for you to do your time and think about your actions. Now, I'm going to say 5% of the prison, people that come to prison who have something to lose will rehabilitate themselves. It took for me to see that my kids were being mistreated while I was in the joint to get my act together. I did not want my kids to take any more suffering uh, or being mistreated because I wasn't there and I can't worry about their mom. I have to worry about what I do to my kids and I wasn't there. So my rehabilitation started with me wanting to be a full-time father to my babies. And so that, that's, that, that's where it started out for me. I, I, I hear you, bro. And listen, and I'm glad, I'm really glad that you said something about the kids, right? Because I want to, I want to shift the gears just, or just, or just a little bit, right? Because like, uh, you know, and I was just talking to some of the fellas about this earlier, like, you know, like back in the day, and you said you're from California and one of the things that was happening back in the day, like, let's just say for women, I want to switch the subject to women for a second. You know, like when women was getting on in the gangs back then, a lot of women wasn't getting on for putting in the work. A lot of them was getting sexed on. You know what I'm saying? So what I want to do is I want to kind of talk to the people about, I want to talk to the people about like how we got the women now where we use them to, to hold the pistols, to hold the dough, uh, they get sexed on. Well, they don't, a lot of it, that's not happening like it used to, but there still is a lot of, a lot of rape, but there's a lot of it, you know, where we're putting them in the battlefield where they're getting killed too now. 
You know what I'm saying? So that's happening more frequently too, right? So I just want you to kind of just, if you can cover the dynamics of that, you know, for the listener, you know what I mean? Okay, so when I was coming up, <laughs> when I was coming up, you know, we, you know, it wasn't no real, like, you know, tough, tough females. We, you know, we, so yeah, we was, you know, we was putting them on, you know, asshole, I mean, you know, backwards, you know. But now, you know, a lot of these girls that are coming up, they're being okay with their sexuality. So some of them are able to show their masculine, even though they're women. I'm going to just say they're showing their masculine. So now it's, oh, I got a gun. Oh, no, I'm not the homegirl. I'm the homeboy. And this is how they talk to you. This is how lesbians talk to you. No, I'm the homeboy. They consider themselves men. So now you have a problem. You, you have a problem now because now you got some bull daggers. That's, I'm not scared of you, nigga, and I'll fight you. And you got some of them that's out here whooping men. That's just the honest to God truth. And some of them aren't taking the, I, I'm, I'm not getting sexed on. I'm going to stand in a circle and take everything that I'm supposed to take like y'all do. Because y'all going to respect me from being from, you know, being from the, being from the, the, this shit. I'm not going to be a female that y'all call during parties and y'all just, all y'all have sex with me. No, they're not doing that no more. They're not. Right. Okay, and, good, I'm, good. and I'm you telling know, you from it, experience, it, it, like I've know, had, yeah, yeah, for sure, ain't no doubt, ain't no doubt. Yeah, ain't like no I, doubt. I, I, my thing was just, no, I, I, was just I was just gonna say that uh, I was, I happened to be in a relationship with a female who had her wife was a a, a dude. He, he was, and he tried to fight me, or she tried to fight me numerous times. And when she couldn't whip me, she called the police on me. Tried to, and look, tried to get me out the way that way, so I couldn't mess with the girl. She tried to right, fight me. Right, she right, tried right. to assassinate my character. And when that didn't work, she went straight to being a woman and trying to get me cooked, cracked. <laughs> right, so, right, yeah. right, right, right. And 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 you know, I wanted to really cover it because. You know, it's so dangerous for women in the gang situations now because, like, even when I was coming up, you know, and none of my homeboys was doing that stuff, but there was a lot of that going on where there was a lot of uh, the women where they, like, now you see the Me Too movements, but realistically, a lot of the women were even getting raped, for example. She might say, oh, I might do it to one of your homeboys or two, and then they like, no, nah, you're doing it. You know what I mean? And so, like, I yeah. just want to make sure that as we tell these stories that these women that are listening understand that when you commit to something like this, it's really dangerous for you because the respect's not really there. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And you can lose your life. You know what I'm saying? Being involved in this stuff. And then it's really not, there's really no respect for you. You know what I'm saying? There's really no place for you in this. You know what I mean? And so I really wanted to be honest with the woman that's listening and understand, make sure that they really understand the full dynamics of it because you really get used up and absorbed. Then you can end up having a kid by three or four homeboys or somebody from an off-brand set. You know what I'm saying? And so, like, as we do this work, I want to make sure that we have a, a platform to really tell these women the truth as well. You know what I'm saying? So I just go ahead and speak to that for me real quick, if you could. I'm going to just say to the women, uh, don't become no biker chick neither. Because that's, that's uh, a lot of that. A lot of that is what's going on, too, out here. Not to take away from your question, bro, but a lot of gang members and female gang members, they're now becoming bikers and being in these motorcycle clubs. And what people don't understand is if, if you Google uh, like motors, uh, motorcycle females, bro, they, they have to have sex on demand. They get beat up, slapped up, talked to the most coldest ways. And they have to, they, they have to deal with that. They have to accept it. You know what I'm saying? So 
me to to any woman like this this just ain't your field this is this is this ain't what you want because what's gonna end up happening is you're gonna get around somebody that you really got love for and respect for and the whole time this dude wants to pimp you out you know you're not you are about to become a prostitute and they could be having all kind of different types of agendas and i am to blame for that too because i i remember when i was out there and i we you know like i have to admit that i was doing that stuff too you know making it seem like we were all we was gonna hook the females up with some work or we was gonna do this with them or we was gonna put them on with this and that was never the case. The case was, man, we're going to get them up in here and run these joints, nigga, and, you know, get in whatever and have them go downtown or whatever, whatnot. What no respect at all. Versus if she do got a little bit of respect, like, no, nah, that's the homie, bro. Don't talk to her like that. Because, you know, you got those. You got, you, you, you know, you got those ones that are either it's the homie's sister or it's the homie's cousin, and she's not like them. So we got to respect her differently because we respect the homie, you know? So. Right. And that's what I'm trying, trying to encapsulate with these interviews because you are officially a member of Filthy Rags. Now, uh, I want to go, you know, with the time flowing, I want to go into why you wanted to work for Filthy Rags. But more than that, I really believe that you will be able to make positive contributions to Filthy Rags. So what I want to do is I want to uh, talk about what are some of the needs of your particular community? What are some of the needs of Seattle? Because, you know, the way I, the way I see it, you know what I'm saying? we have to build power amongst the marginalized, right? And so what I see is I see a lot of the gentrification out there where they move people to different locations and then you have the problems going into the white neighborhoods and the different things like that. But how do we reel back in the people in the neighborhood? What's missing? What can we do? Respect. That's, that's what's missing. Like, I'm telling you, some of these guys out here have the power to set a meeting up, get everybody from the set to come because they're popular. Oh, what you will do? What you will do? So if you know that you can do that, and we out here losing our kids, and uh, we losing our daughters to being pimped out, uh, being raped, to being drugged, and we're losing our sons to to jail and prisons and stuff. Why wouldn't you want to throw the meeting to show something different? To yeah, we are a gang, and right. this is what was happening. But guess what? If you over 18, I can get you a job. Like when I get off the phone with y'all, I'm about to get on Facebook and I'm about to say, who who is a parent out here that really wants to fight to see their kid survive and make it through their teenage years? If you do, inbox me because I know who's hiring right now. See, bro, these people ain't strong enough. They want to let they let they let the streets raise their kids. I'm not letting the streets raise my kids, bro. I was out there. I was out there. You can. When I got little homies in there with you, you, they, you can ask them about me. They will tell you. I was out here being the devil when I was out here in these streets. But when I got in that penitentiary, right. bro, and they whooped me with that, nigga, you ain't going nowhere, and you're facing this, and now my baby's mom's on drugs, and my kids are getting mistreated. My son had caught lice. My other son burnt his hand on, on, the, on the stove. The older kids are stealing from the dollar store to, to feed the other three kids. Man... I didn't want that. I don't. I did not want that right. for my kids. So it broke right, me. Right, right. It it broke everything in me that was evil, bitterness. I said, you know what? Because I had a head full of hair. I done got blasted. As soon as I hit to the penitentiary, I get Hoover put on my back in big block letters because I know it's neighborhoods on the on the yard, and I just want to walk out on the yard, lift weights with the big HCG on my back. And for what? Because before I left there, 
I hated everything about gangs. It did like right. it despised me. And now I got this big right. hoover on my back. You know, it don't make no sense. It don't make no sense that I went and did that. So what I what I'm able right. to do is I'm able to tell these kids. I'm able to help my son and his friends because when they come to my house, they don't got no choice but to listen to me because I'm coming in the room. I'm going to look at all of them in the face. I want to see who's sagging. I want to see who thinks they a pimp. I want to see who the Mac is. I want to see who the gangbanger is. I want to see who the sports dude is, the mama's boy, the church boy, because we all been up around that growing up. We all got a friend that's like that. So I'm able to attack the ones that I know I need to attack. And it's an open door. I tell all of them kids, y'all. Don't do nothing dumb. Y'all see Julian. Y'all see I'm here for my son. Y'all, his friends, y'all can come to the house. If your parents put you out, come to my house. I will call your parents, let them know you're safe, and then we'll just figure it out. But you guys continue to go to school. I'm that guy. If y'all need me to come into school to talk to the teachers or something, I can come up there and explain the dynamics of what you're going through. What You know, because we're black. Nobody can tell us nothing about nothing. We're black. We have to face something different and i and that's just the truth it's the truth what we're up against is not a fair playing field bro so we got to go we got to dig deeper in ourselves to to stand up for these kids and then i want to be a part of filthy raps because when i'll be talking to champ like i'm getting hyped like hulk hogan like if i'm getting beat up you know how Hulk Hogan used to get beaten and he used to start shaking and you know he would stand up and he would shake his head like no no, that's how I feel when I talk to yeah. Sam. So I'm like, bro, I'm with this. Because this is, this. I'm already right. trying to do it. I already feed the homeless. I'm already mentoring the kids. Like, this is right up my alley. And right. I despise gang members. I despise anything that's not right. I despise homies. Like, if you see my son, I don't want you to be like, oh, man, your dad's crazy, man. You're wookie woo. I want you to talk to my son about sports or how he's doing in school. And right. you respect your dad. Are you doing your chores and stuff? We don't have that, bro. We got niggas out here that's all. Oh, what's up? What's up, cousin? Woo, woo, woo. Y'all niggas, you know, y'all need some weed. Y'all need some, you know, the drugs or whatever, the, the straps. Y'all niggas beefing with whoever. Right. It's like negative, negative, negative on top of negative. How can you get any kind of positive when everybody above you is negative? They got negative ways, issues. It's, you know, then you got some homies that, you know, like me and Champ always talk about this, like, your partner and your partner, man, if he's out there with your daughter or if he's trying to slay your baby's right. mom. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm, you know, I know. You know, yeah. I know. You know what I mean? And what I, I, I want to say to you, Slate, listen, mm -hmm. this is what I want to say to you. And I want to say this to the viewers, too, because I think that, like, uh, we're on the same page. Now, I'm still locked up. You know, Champ's still locked up. Alfonso's locked up. But, you know, when you look at guys like us from the filthy rags, you know what I'm saying? We've made choices. You know, we've made bad choices. But I want people that's on the outside listening to us to understand that, you know, we're definitely accountable for the violent acts that we committed against society. But please don't deny us our humanity. You know what I'm saying? Because as we've been sitting down, we've actually been able to learn. You know what I'm saying? And we want to be a part of the solution. You know, and I see you're already out there being a part of the solution. But what I want you to do, you know, because I don't know if the phone will hang up or not, if we're going to run out of time. But if it does... I want you to be able to uh, talk to the viewers and close out for me. But what I want you to really do is I want you to talk to the viewers right now, uh, anybody that's listening, and let them understand what positive contributions to Filthy Rags can do 
for somebody like you that's trying to do this work out in the community, but we don't have a lot of the support. We don't have a lot of the federal agencies helping us to do these things, to go out here and reach these kids, because you want to go out here into these schools. You want to go up here to these courthouses in different places to meet these cats where they're at their worst, you know, and try to bring them to their best situation. So talk to the listeners about the work you try to do and how contributions can really help you be more effective in the work that you're trying to do out there in these streets. Oh man, first of all, Phil Dirac's the umbrella of it. Um, man, it's like I don't want to say it's like the it's like the gang of gangs because you see it's got all the rags. It's unity, you know, and it's like I'm I'm a part of this problem, and I want to be a part of the solution. The solution is filthy rags. I'm able to use their umbrella to go up in places with their stamp and say, listen, y'all way ain't working. Let us come up in here and let us work. Let us let us take these kids that y'all really don't want to deal with that y'all don't understand. But we got some brothers that understand them that have walked like them, that are maybe still walking like them with a better brain, you know? Like, I'm a thinking man now, so I, I want right. to be all the way positive. I want to be able to, when they see me coming, they know that, oh, that brother's on a mission, man. He's not going to stop. No matter if y'all all frown y'all faces, Mr. Williams or Sleep or Trey, whatever they going to call me, when they see me, they going to say, man, we respect that dude because I may not have listened to what he was saying, but he was able to reach my little brother. He always comes over here and gets my little brother. Oh, he's showing up at the schools, like you said. He was at the court day with my mom, and that we never even knew that he was sitting in the back the whole time. He was at his court day. When people start seeing consistency like that, then they start believing. I want people to believe in you guys like how I believe, because I believe that once you guys get the grants and once we're able to get the social media thing cracking off and once, you know, we're able to start, you know, giving shirts out and sweaters or whatever, going out feeding the homeless, when they start seeing, like, who are those people with the red, orange, black, and, you know, the rag thing on there? How about we try to, you know, how do we get in contact with them? And then there you go. Next thing you know, you got the probation officer. You got the whole probation office up there downtown. They're calling. Re like, we need your guys' help. Because <laughs> uh, it just takes one one person. And, and me, these kids love me. The, the boys love me. The girls love me because I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, uh, what they say, a player, like a player's coach. I'm a kid's, I'm a kid's parent. Like I, you know what I'm saying? Like they, I don't come at them how like old parents used to come at us. I try to come at them like I'm equal to them. Like I'm standing in the mix with them, you know? So um, I just want people to believe Filthy Rise got believed that like people will believe in this because it's not fake and anytime you got anybody in prison that is walking a line of faith and not straddling the fence but is walking a straight line those are some of the strongest people walking this earth because you're in the belly of the beast you're in the heart of it and right you got glowing in there and even though like like you said there was drama going on behind you we have 30 seconds remaining. All these guys hey, sleep. Sleep. Hey, hold on. Sleep. Hold your thought real quick because I'm going to let you close out with the people. But I just want to thank everybody that came in and listening tonight to us. And I just want to, uh, you know, say if there is a roadmap to increase and excuse me, to decrease in this violence, it is Filthy Rags Outreach. Now, go ahead and finish your thought and close out for the people. And again, thank all the listeners. And we're going to keep you in tune with what's going on with these streets. 
and I thank you, Sleep, for your time, too. Now, finish your thoughts. Yeah, uh, yeah, for the listeners, I just, you know, if you're in Seattle, stay safe. You know, make sure you know where you at. It's a beautiful city here. Believing in the people, believing in um, what's right over what's wrong, choosing to do right over wrong, choosing to show compassion. Those are the type of things that we need. So when I, when, when I hit the streets, I got filthy rag umbrella. I feel like, like Superman or Batman when I'm out doing what I'm doing, because I feel like I'm a, a, a little superhero. Cause I got to try to save these kids and stuff like that. So I'm proud to be a part of filthy rags. So I'm going to leave it at that as far as that, but you know, um, this, you know, love yourself, you know, love, love your neighbor and be as positive as you can be, man. And I got to do it before I get off for my guys. So what's the deal? What's the deal? <laughs> you already know what it is. You already know who it is. It's your boy Sleep, Sleep TV. Y'all can get at me on IG under Sleep TV, C-L-E-E-P TV with three Zs. Again, it's C-L-E-E-P TV with three Zs. I'm on IG. And you guys can get at me whenever. And I appreciate you guys. All right.